building growth-oriented tech communities. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Wendy Lee, entrepreneur, mentor, board member at the Louisville Entrepreneurship Acceleration Partnership, and mentor at Techstars. Welcome, Wendy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Give us a brief summary of your background as it relates to startups and driving economic growth. Uh, background, my own first uh, with a very awesome group of founders. We did very well. And as a result of our exit acquisition by Siebel Systems, we were able to go into a new phase where we learned about venture-backed startups. We learned about the long play that VCs expect. We learned how they come together, those entrepreneurs in a community. Um, so I had the good fortune to dive into venture-backed startup community building through Boulder and through Bradfeld. So that has been a big part of my um, entrepreneurial training, I guess you would say, um, beyond my own founder status. And I did that for a long time. And now taking all I've learned along the way to more focus on ecosystem building in country, states, and in cities, many times working closely, closely with tech stars because of their own capability, sometimes just advising on my own. But the point of that is I had this remarkable opportunity to apply everything I've learned as an entrepreneur to an ecosystem in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky and Southeast Indiana. And it's through that experience that I got turned on this whole idea of economic vibrancy and how you can achieve that in a new way. And that new way is through startup innovation. What was it like to sell your startup to Siebel? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I, I don't think about it as selling our startup to Siebel, honestly. Maybe that's because I have a blind spot around that. And maybe it was so crazy and exciting and also sad because you're selling your baby, right? Um, and that sounds like a weird analogy, but that's how it feels. But, but, you know, what it really felt like was we were at the top of our game. We meaning on target. That was the name of the company that I was honored to be part of the founding team of. And when you're on top of your game and you have 200 plus employees around the world and all of your clients are big technology uh, blue, blue chips like IBM and Microsoft and Oracle and SAP, et cetera, Cisco, when, when that is the game you're playing and you know you are serving and delivering value to that, that sector, that's pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of ego involved, but the truth of the matter is to deliver value to those organizations, you have to be on top of your game. So how I felt really was like, oh, okay, we've been recognized by one of our clients and by this potential partner, you know, that, that acquired us as being on top of our game. And that's how it felt to me. It was never about the money. It never was like that for any of us because we were bootstrapped. We didn't have other people's money in our deal. So our 
purchase price was 259 million. That stock, not cash, but that was a lot of money if you owned it 100%, right? And, and we did. So it was really just about feeling we were at the top of our game and that we had delivered material value to the largest tech companies in the world. That's how it felt. One of the, you mentioned you work with tech stars as well as um, working on your own. How important, and more importantly, how effective are local and regional incubators? Is, is that the right model for driving innovation? Well, it's part of it. Um, and my work with Techstars is, I mean, I've been hanging out with them since day one. So I know them well. What they're doing is just stunning. And my main work with them as a mentor. I'm here today in Denver to mentor the Western Union Techstars Accelerator cohort, right? So that's, that's part of my mentoring. And I take that, you know, I take a lot of pride in that and do my very best to give back to the entrepreneurs that Techstars pulls together. But to answer your question, um, incubators and accelerators are very different. Accelerators have a beginning and an end in their program. They have cohorts. There's expectation around the cohorts. And that accelerator can be backed by the city, the state, or by a corporate, or a consortium, or whatever. But it's a very distinct program with high expectations and very um, systems that support the entrepreneur being able to exit that accelerator, better able to achieve their vision, acquire new customers, and get funding if they decide they need that. So, so let's look at an accelerator, and at least in my world, is a very distinct thing. Um, Techstars being the gold standard in that, if I say so myself, although there are many folks that do it and do it, do it well, we do it the best, in my opinion. Now, an incubator, and again, definitionally in my mind, it's different. An, an incubator is a place, a space, where businesses sometimes of all types, not just technology, not just high growth technology, come together to do their work and learn from each other. And sometimes incubators, we had an excellent one in Cincinnati, they, they have great programming, right? They have great, great programming for mentors, that are in that area, that are cross-sector, that love their community and love to grow businesses, right? So an incubator doesn't have a beginning and an end. That's in my mind. Whereas accelerator, a Techstars accelerator is mentor-driven. That's a real different. And our mentors are technology-oriented, proven entrepreneurs that really wanna help others, that wanna give first. So I think program, beginning and end, with a demo day as, a, as, a, as the end, with very specific expectations because Techstars owns a piece of that, an incubator. The business model is different, can be different, lots of different varieties of that. It's just a more, I would call it a programmed environment, but a more casual one with no beginning and end really, evergreen if you will, which I think is cool. So I think communities, cities, towns, regions, and states. I think, especially in the Midwest, what I observed is that there was a wide range of both. And I think that's cool because you need 
some evergreen, constantly programmed, all kinds of entrepreneurs, not just those who want to scale up, grow with other people's money, right? In a, in a town like Cincinnati, they're both sides of that street. I'm, I'm sure, just like in your city, right? That we can't just say, well, if you're not technology oriented and venture backed, we don't want to help you. That's not right. Because those other businesses, they could be dress shops or coffee shops or manufacturers or any kind of business, really. They, they're just going about it differently, not just relative to financing, but also relative to how and how fast they grow. So both of those entities, non-trivial in the achievement of what I would call economic vitality or vibrancy. They are part of the business building fabric of a city and very important. Is that helpful? Absolutely. But you know, Wendy, when some people see growth, they see traffic jams, strained services and resources, crowded schools. I know. Boulder does. But what does it take to instill a positive growth mindset within a community? Well, I think it takes, uh, thanks for asking, because that's, this is on my mind a lot. Again, being in Louisville and going back to my Cincinnati experience, these guys want to grow, period. They'll deal with traffic jams, <laughs> right? They are so eager because they feel left behind as a city, right? And so government and nonprofit and the schools, universities, big business there, they want to grow because they know it impacts the future vibrancy of their city. Um, and then you get in certain cities, and Boulder is an example, although they have this spectacular startup community, and it is the headquarters of Techstars, oh my goodness, and we have a Google campus. But I am learning, having just been back there now, this is my second time in Boulder to live there. I'm about nine months in. There's a lot of debate about growth, you know? And it, it's, it's um, I mean, they fancy themselves as being inclusive, yet they are concerned about housing, mobility, services for all. And I think it's a struggle. And I think this is where community discussion is essential. And this is why public-private partnerships or leaders of startup communities need to interact proactively with all the other leaders of the city. And it could be uh, the mayor, it could be the CEO of the hospital, it could be the president or deans of the university. To me, the economy, the vibrancy required centers around the connectivity between nodes in the ecosystem. So there's a node of universities and, and community colleges. There's a node of business leaders, right, that run medium-sized to very large companies that can be global and public or generational. Uh, the government, the investors. So my, in my experience, again, I'm not an economist and I'm not, I'm not an academic, but having experienced this, I know whether you want growth or not, the how of growth does impact all the nodes in the ecosystem. And so you're either going to have your startup community in the middle and there's going to be open gateways and paths to all these nodes or the startup community is going to be closed off over here on the edge because no one wants them. So that 
that needs to be looked, looked at, the strategy of growth, how much, how fast, and, and by whom meaning how do we make that happen? I mean, because you can just say, oh, I'm going to go get a big manufacturing company from Berlin to come to Colorado Springs, and that's going to be our growth strategy. That's traditional economic development. I think people know how to do that. I think the shots on gold there, though, the impact that they once did, right? And so I think economic development as a traditional strategy for growth is, has decided that they need different pathways and that startup communities are one of those pathways. And then they realize what those startup communities need to, to really be nurtured and grow in a responsible way, right? Not a way that kind of takes the rest of the culture of the place down, but actually is additive to that culture and actually puts a positive spin. So the perception of that city or that state is better than it once was because otherwise talent doesn't stay, right? We know this for sure. Talent will lead to go be with like-minded folk. And if they're entrepreneurial, they're gonna go find their peeps in their communities, wherever that might be, for whatever reason, because there's great hiking or great skiing or because the coffee's great or because there's a space like Nick has or like I had in Cincinnati, but people will find their peeps if they're entrepreneurs. And I think, you know, that's a non-trivial element of what happens and what has been happening in the middle of the country you know, separate from how it happens on either coast. Very different on how it happens on either coast because it's very dense and there's abundance of resources, either proven entrepreneurs or lots of venture capital or large companies that are used to innovating with startups. In the Midwest, it's a little different. It's not bad, it's just different. And so you have to shuck and jive through that in a much more mindful and collaborative way to bring along all the nodes of folk that really set up the culture of that city or that region. Does that make sense? It does, Wendy. And you mentioned universities, of course, and I think even more so just education and workforce development. How has workforce development changed in the past decade and, and how should growth-oriented communities approach it today? Yeah, I, great, great question. Um, so one of my many learnings while in Southwest Ohio, Southeast Indiana, Northern Kentucky, because that was a region, a three-state region, that's complicated. We had four, four major universities and six or seven other very technical colleges or community college, all very important you know, to the learning of the, of the ecosystem of the region. So it's changed so much. I mean, some of this is just very obvious. It's not just that the institutions have changed, the humans going to the institutions have changed. Their aspirations about their work, their future of work have changed. So I prefer to always start with the consumer of the product. And in this case, the consumer of the product is a graduate of another institution that has decided choicefully to go further their learning in a certain area. So I like to start with the consumer has changed, their aspirations have changed, what they want to do with their lives, how they want to do it has changed. That is non-trivial. These institutions are just that. 
They are institutions and they have their own way of being and operating and structuring and raising money and offering capability, right? It's very traditional. It's an institution. And especially if you're talking a state school, right? Where a certain amount of that budget comes from the state. So they, these universities, I mean, Miami, University of Cincinnati, University of Louisville, uh, CU in Boulder, I'm just engaging there. Remember, I haven't been back long, but there's a pattern there that the, these colleges or the, and the deans of these colleges inside of university, they have to continue to attract high quality talent, right? And researchers in those domains. Part of that can, has to be the same, but they also seem to be more open and interested in the fact their students are not all gonna go wanna work for a large corporate. Some of these students, want to take a gap year or want to go explore new ways of building businesses or be a pure entrepreneur, right? It's, it's not just like you're going to go work for a small business on Main Street, you're going to go work for a large corporate like P&G, or you're going to be a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. It's so different than that right now. And I see change afoot. I see the leaders of these schools, these colleges, and the presidents of the whole university really being proactive and thoughtful, paying attention to the patterns of their consumer, their student, as well as their faculty, which is non-trivial to them. And they are mixing it up a little bit. An example, they're having cross-school initiatives around entrepreneurship. So this is not just the business school doing their entrepreneurship program or computer science. They're saying, Entrepreneurs need all the disciplines to create a successful business, don't they? We know that. I know that. So why not offer that foundation? So I am, you know, while they are there, I am very excited about learning these patterns, very excited about seeing them shift because I think that is the future of economic vibrancy where there are schools, universities, community colleges, technical schools, there's a better chance of success for that city, state, or region to have economic vibrancy. This community, the startup community, the investor community, and this university community can connect. The interdependencies are non-trivial. We have to get out of our own little gerbil trail. Love to hear that, Wendy. Wendy Lee, board member at the Louisville Entrepreneurship Acceleration Partnership and mentor at Techstars. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? The best way is Wendy at wendylee.com. Sounds good. And okay. if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you could do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.